Macworld Podcast 381 for Wednesday, November 6, 2013, brought to you by Smile Software. For more information, go to smilesoftware.com slash mwpodcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Philip Michaels, your host this week. You know, Apple uh, holds these product events, and they they show off their flashy new iPads, and they 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 uh, they talk about their colorful new iPhones. But but one thing that kind of gets short shrift in these affairs is the software, and we're going to spend some time talking about that this week, specifically the uh, new updated versions of iLife that Apple uh, unveiled last month. I have the three people here who've been rolling up their sleeves and spending more time with iLife than they have with their loved ones and and uh, and pets. So let's uh, let's go around the table and meet them now. Serenity Caldwell is here. Hi, Serenity. Hello, Phil. Yes, uh, taking time out of her busy travel schedule to uh, to talk to us about iMovie, and of course, Chris Breen also with us. Hi, Phil. Uh, he doesn't travel anywhere. No, no, except. Every, yeah, you do actually. You, you're 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 a you're a traveling man. And and Jackie Dove. Hey there. Big travel plans, Jackie? No, none whatsoever. No, I, I sit right near you, and I never go anywhere. Exactly. We're 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 tethered together, waiting <laughs> waiting for one day when they unleash our shackles, right? And we're able to make a run for it, right? And until then, we row well and we live. So, speaking of rowing well and living, let's talk about iLife. Uh, specifically the the three apps, and I believe let's let's start things off with iMovie. That's a good place to start. And um, uh, Ren, I believe that was your assignment was to uh, take a look at everything that was new with iMovie. And um, uh, why don't you sum it up for us? Yeah, well, um, there's a lot new with yeah, iMovie. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, surprisingly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for the broad question. Uh, what what would you say the biggest change is? Oh gosh. Um I think the biggest change overall is actually uh the the uh, uh way that Apple is approaching the software now. Um over the past couple of years and really since its incar- its initial incarnation, iMovie has kind of been this crazy testing ground for Apple to kind of play with new ideas that maybe were too radical for Final Cut or things they wanted to try out that they thought, "Oh, this will be easier for the consumer." Um and it's kind of ended up feeling uh, in recent years like a grab bag of features where uh, the most recent version of iMovie before this one, iMovie 11, just had buttons everywhere. And, um, you know, you could always wait and hold and mouse over and see the little pop-up of like, oh, that's the recording button and that's the clip split button. And now we have buttons for all the different transitions. It just got to the point where it was just – it was a very, very cluttered piece of software um, despite – having, you know, a bunch of features taken away and then re-added. And then so it was just it was a grab bag, basically. And iMovie, this this new version, which we're just calling the new iMovie because there's not it's not iMovie 13 or anything like that. um, It's really sat back and said, okay, how can we unify iMovie so that it makes sense on the Mac? It's simple for people who are brand new beginners to touching film or touching video editing. Um, but also keep the tools that some of our more intermediate and advanced users really like. Because as we saw when we rolled out iMovie 08, if we take everything away, people really complain. 
Um, and I think they've actually managed to do a really, really good job at uh, sort of bridging the gap between the beginner and the intermediate. Um, I would say overall, it's still not as powerful a piece of software as it was. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's powerful in different ways, but it's not it's not quite as uh, as tinkery as it was in with iMovie HD, which was the uh, the soft the version of iMovie they had before uh, reinventing it with iMovie 08. But it has a lot of really cool new features and video effects and uh, timeline editing that I just I absolutely love. And um, how is the uh, the the integration between the desktop version and the mobile version? You know, it's pretty good. Although it's it's funny because. In the previous version of iMovie and uh, the iOS app, which only came out a couple of years ago, um, they added a an integration between the two that allowed you to share iOS projects from your iPhone or iPad to your Mac and then open them. And obviously, you know, some features wouldn't quite translate. Um, but they've taken that away for this new update and these new versions. And though Apple has said that they're planning on reinstating it later down the line in an update, it was still really funny for me because they've been really, really pushing this whole, you know, the whole reason that we're redoing the interface and we're redesigning these programs is to make them fit across the line. And so that if you pick up iMovie on an iOS device, it doesn't feel so much different as picking up iMovie on a Mac and you should be able to, you know, work work across the spectrum and it's it's not quite there yet for iMovie uh but you know it's it's supposedly coming in a future update so we'll we'll see how that, that is that, but that really strikes me as a as a, as an oversight uh uh doesn't it strike you as that or did, what has apple given any yeah. sort of explanation for for why they did that they haven't although i've got to assume that i mean Randy Abilis's, uh pro apps team has just completely been underwater with, you know, having to reinvent Final Cut Pro 10 um, and doing all of this new work on iMovie. And there are quite a few new features hidden away in the Mac version and the iOS version, as well as working on GarageBand and the new version of Logic. I've just got to assume that they were so deep in on, you know, the various projects that it was set aside as this is a feature that we'd really like to have at launch. But if we don't have it at launch, it's pretty easy to push out as a as a 1.1 feature. Not a blocker, as uh, we that, as we say in the update biz. Not a blocker. Yes, exactly. Okay. It's I, I don't think that they thought that uh, that particular feature was going to to break the new update. But it's still odd that they, you know, they offered the feature and then took it away. Okay, so let's ex accentuate the positive here. Uh, what, what are some of your favorite uh, uh, new additions to the iMovie family? Well, there there are quite a few, both on the Mac and iOS. Um, a lot of uh, the controls are much simpler than they were in previous versions of iMovie. Um, there, in previous versions of iMovie, there was a real sort of goal to try and keep things simple. And by trying to keep things simple, they actually made things really complex. Like uh, iMovie 08 introduced this crazy thing called a wrapping timeline, which instead of a normal editing timeline is just horizontal, straightforward. You have like a beginning time code and an end time code. And iMovie 08 is like, nah, let's think of it as like a never ending film strip. And so they made it a vertical timeline, which upset a lot of people. Um, the new iMovie has the horizontal timeline as its default. There's no button to switch between them. And although you can get the wrapping timeline, if you really, really like it, it's hidden away in a menu. 
Uh, and the horizontal timeline also acts more like its Final Cut Pro sibling in that you can actually drag and drop clips around and you could actually drag clips onto a second line. Um, it's still They still prohibit you from doing more than two tracks of video, uh, meaning that you can only have sort of your master video track and then a secondary video track, which, uh, which is, allows you to either do like a cutaway to a different clip or a picture-in-picture side-by-side on the clip or doing some sort of green screen work. Um, but the fact of the matter was that, like, in previous versions of iMovie, that was really, really hard to do and kind of complicated, whereas in this version, it's it's super simple, and I really like that. Um, the import process on the Mac also has just been wildly simplified. Um, it used to be in previous versions of iMovie that it would just take you forever to sort of find clips that you wanted to import. If you didn't want to import all of your clips, then you were in trouble because importing selected clips mean, mean meant that you had to click individual checkboxes and you had to choose whether you wanted to import optimized video, which is basically video that had been compressed so it wouldn't take up quite so much space and it would be easier for... Uh, for iMovie to read, it was just it was very cumbersome. There were a lot of checkboxes, a lot of a lot of drop down menus to select. This new import process is a breeze by comparison. And the best thing about it is that once you choose all your clips and say import, it all imports in the background. So if you're working on something else and you, you know, you want to um, you're working on something else in iMovie and you want to import a clip, uh, another clip, to say, to add to your project. You can go to the import menu, select that individual clip, press import selected, and then that thing will import while you continue cutting your movie. And that background rendering extends to almost anything that you can do in the program, including special effects, speed modulation, all of that. The the idea of rendering bars and sitting waiting for something to finish so that you can continue to do your work is just completely gone out the window, which is great. Um Tell me a, one oh, of was, go go yeah, ahead go ahead. no uh, I was going to ask you to tell me a little bit about this iMovie theater and, and oh what yeah that, well the, what's that about is it like y- a local cineplex y- Ren <laughs> it's a little bit like a local cineplex I was actually just about to talk about that oh, so good. Uh, our, well then I'm glad I interrupted you converged. so rudely <laughs> um, I think it's it's a really interesting move by Apple uh, it reminds me kind of a photo stream the earliest incarnation of photo stream. Where the basic idea is once you've cut together a movie, you can export it to iMovie Theater, which uh, then sends a, a high-resolution cl- like version of your movie to any device you have iMovie installed on. So including um, the Apple TV, which of course doesn't have iMovie the editing software, but it does have support for iMovie Theater. So in some ways, it's really cool because you now have sort of a gallery of all of your finished projects. Um, and it's displays really nicely. It's all in the cloud, so you don't have to download those projects locally to your device if you want to save some space. Um, But I do have a few sort of niggles with it. One of them is that you can't really give other people access to your iMovie theater. It's not like PhotoStream where you have like shared photo streams. The only people who can view your iMovie theater movies are yourself. Um, Mm. And in addition to that, every time... Exactly. Yeah. It's it's your own private uh, cineplex. So if you want to invite everybody over to your house so they can just sit down and watch it in front of uh, in front of your Apple TV, then that's awesome. Um, but you can't really share it with your other friends who have iCloud accounts. Um, in addition to that, 
it only supports finished movies instead of projects. So if you're, say, working on a project on one Mac, you can't send that project to iMovie Theater and then pick it up on a different Mac. You'd actually have to go into your desktop or into your hard drive and pick the actual project and move it to your other Mac to work on it. So it's a little cumbersome. It doesn't really support project sharing at all. And thirdly, um, all of the data, unlike PhotoStream, um, requires space in your iCloud account. So, you know, those free iCloud accounts that have five gigabytes free space, each of those movies that you're going to be uploading is probably anywhere from 50 megabytes to multiple hundreds of megabytes. And that's really, really quickly going to eat into that space. And people may not entirely be aware of that until all of a sudden they look up and they're like, hey, I'm out of space. What? what why are my five cute movies of my kid taking up so much space i thought apple provided all of this for free and it's it's just a it's a weird sort of marketing mismatch like i don't begrudge apple being like all right if you're going to store stuff in here we want more money for it um but they they don't really make it clear that this does take up icloud storage this doesn't take up icloud storage etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. so i would i would like to see you know uh some more clarification on that i'd love to see project sharing um and it's really odd to me that when you export an iMovie Theater project, um, if you export multiple copies to iMovie Theater, so if, say, I save it at one point and I export it, and then I save it 20 minutes later and I export to iMovie Theater, it shows up as two separate final movies rather than replacing the early final movie with a, a new copy of it. So it seems that um, uh, slow motion video is all the rage these days, especially if you have an iPhone 5S. Is uh, is that uh, feature accommodated in the mobile version of iMovie, Ren? It is, although sadly not as cool as it is in uh, the camera roll for the iPhone 5S. Oh, gosh darn it. The iPhone 5 <laughs> I know. It's, it made me very sad. I'm like, you, you've developed this cool little feature. Uh, for those who don't know, on the iPhone 5S, you can shoot slow-mo video up to 120 frames per second, which is, I believe, one-fourth the, um, this, or I guess four times the speed of, uh, of regular film, uh, which means you can kind of slow it down and have more frames. Um, on the iPhone 5S's Photos app or in camera uh, roll, there's a way for those special clips to automatically slow them down where you just set in and out points and at that in point it automatically slows down the video and then it plays at full slow-mo and then it speeds it, well it ramps back up and it speeds back up to the, your your regular frame rate. Um, that kind of implementation is not found in iMovie for iOS or iMovie for Mac. Um, instead, you set a clip and the clip, the entire clip is slow motion. Uh, if you want to set it so that some of the clip is normal speed and some of the clip is slow motion, you actually have to cut the clip uh, where you want sort of the in and the out point to be. And then the first part of the clip is normal speed. The second part of the clip is slow motion. The third part of the clip is normal speed again. And there's no really nice ramping motion as there is in the iPhone 5S. So I'm I'm kind of confused why Apple chose to omit that because I thought that was such a, a cool, nifty little thing. Uh, but But there is very prominent slow motion offerings in both iMovie for iOS and iMovie for the Mac. Um, in iMovie for iOS, you can either choose how slow you want a clip to be, uh, even from the original screen, uh, you're, when displaying clips, both on, uh, for iOS and for the Mac, 
those clips can now be slowed down or shared almost instantaneously, which is really cool. So if you, you know, instead of going through your camera roll and being like, oh, where is that silly video clip that I took two weeks ago? You can open up iMovie and all of that's, all of your videos are shown in a list. Find that video clip really quickly, slow it down to the slowness that you want, and then immediately press share. Uh, and then on the Mac, the uh, the slow motion has a couple of different facets. There's the new slow motion scrubber bar, which allows you to kind of drag the uh, drag the clip to the left or the right on the slow motion bar, and it'll actually make it slower the longer that you drag it out, or faster the shorter that you make the clip. Um, or you can right click on that bar and get more detailed slow motion information. Are there any other iOS features that our uh, our mobile listeners will want to hear about? Sure, there are a couple neat ones. I really like, as I was mentioning to you before, the sort of clip, quick clips view right. that allows you to quickly share something. Uh, they've also introduced a feature for my movie for Mac, the favorites option, which allows you to kind of quickly tag videos that you know you want to come back to or that you might want to use in a project and sort your video library by those. So it's really easy to kind of pick out clips that you're working with. Um, in addition to that, you can actually record slow-mo video inside iMovie, and that slow-motion video uh, isn't just limited to the iPhone 5S. If you have another recent device like the iPad Mini or um, or iPod Touch, you can film at uh, at 60 frames per second as opposed to the 120 frames per second of the iPhone 5S. So it's not as good slow-motion as the 5S, but it still allows you to play with uh with some of that slow motion fun. And they also, uh, iOS, iMovie for iOS has always had some great gestures. And in this version, they have an additional one, which is pinched crop. So if you want, if you're looking at a, a video clip and you want to center it in on somebody, all you have to do is tap the video clip and just pinch inward like you were blowing up a photo on in iPhoto. Um, and it automatically zooms to however much you've pinched. And then you could just set it by pressing a button. So it's pretty cool. Uh, there are also new audio options. There's a, audio has gotten a lot uh, more complicated in uh, iMovie for iOS. If you want it to be, you can add background checks, you can split audio clips, you can detach audio from projects, you can change the speed and the pitch of audio, you can fade audio, you can duplicate it. There's a, a lot of stuff. It's a little tricky to work with on the iPhone, but it's it's still really, really neat. And my favorite... Oh. Not to go on too long. No, no. My go favorite ahead. thing <laughs> about iMovie for iOS is that projects can be transferred for the first time between iOS devices uh, via AirDrop, which of course is an iOS seven feature. Um, and it just base it allows you instead of having to transfer a project into iTunes and then you know retrieve it and drop it on your iPhone, all you have to do is have AirDrop show up um, on both of your devices and then just send the project from say your iPhone to your iPad and pick up where you left off. We'll return to the Macworld podcast in just a moment after this brief word from our sponsor. 
Smile just released a new app in their PDF Pen suite of PDF editing tools. PDF Pen Scan Plus lets you scan documents, articles, receipts, and more using your iPhone or iPad camera. PDF Pen Scan Plus includes OCR on the device with support for 16 languages. Once OCR has been performed, the text in the scan document can be copied and pasted into another document, or the PDF can be exported with searchable text included. You can also open your scans in PDF Pen for iPad or PDF Pen for iPhone for further editing, or share them via Dropbox, Evernote, and other services for seamless editing on your Mac. PDF Pen Scan Plus is available on the App Store at the intro price of $4.99. Check out the video demo by David Sparks to see all the powerful features packed into this indispensable tool at smilesoftware.com slash mwpodcast. Well, we could we could really probably spend the rest of the afternoon talking iMovie. I'm looking at your article now, and <laughs> and there are a lot of changes detailed in there. I would encourage uh, readers who want to know more about iMovie to uh, to explore that link in our show notes. But uh, but thank you, Ren. There are other people who'd like to talk. You know, <laughs> I know. People like, I know. I love iMovie yes, so much. Yes, you do, <laughs> and it, and, it, and it really comes through. But people like Jackie Dove, who is here to tell us about iPhoto. Jackie, are there? How, how uh, break this? It seems like there's a thousand different vo- versions of iPhoto now. There's iPhoto nine point five, but it's still iPhoto eleven. No, so, no, no. Sort sort out the madness for me. Yeah, it it does kind of sound like madness because Apple is not really very good at doing all of this labeling and differentiation. However, I did manage to get some clarification from them. And we are now calling the new iPhoto uh, for for macOS 10 um, Mavericks as iPhoto 9.5 uh, so, for the Mac. So if you're running Mavericks, you're running iPhoto 9.5. That's correct, essentially. And, and if I haven't upgraded to Mavericks, if I'm still on Snow Leopard, what am I running? 9.4.3 or 9.4.4, something like that. Okay. It's 9.4.x. But it's not 9.5. No, it is not. Which is what we are focusing on today. Correct. Great. Okay. So what's new with 9.5? Well, you know, not a whole hell of a lot. Well, thank you for coming, Jeff. Jackie, we'll move now. Yeah, no, see you go, later. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, actually, th- there are a few new things, but I, I would classify this particular upgrade as not particularly exciting. Not as as I think I said in my the headline of my review is that it is kind of as I am reading it right now. It is uninspiring and does not change enough. Um, I think a lot of people were really hoping that after this three-year period of, of having um, version 11 that we would, you know, see something kind of different. There's a brand new, updated, completely new operating system that's operating differently. And so people were really, I think a lot of folks were really looking forward to a brand new iPhoto coming out to fix some of the things that people have had long-standing criticisms of in the interface. And we're not seeing that. Um, basically, uh, there is not a lot to criticize about it. It is a solid upgrade. It does work really well. I mean, Apple kind of concentrated on performance issues and 64-bit support. And, you know, they concentrated on things like launch time and, you know, editing time and, and having things behave a lot snappier. Um, my experience particularly uh, was that I didn't see an awful lot of change in performance, but it certainly did not get worse. 
and some folks were complaining that it did get a little slower for them, though I'm not sure what the underlying cause of that would be. Mm. It, it seems um, getting beyond the performance uh, improvements uh, that in terms of visible changes that uh, Apple kind of streamlined the controls a bit or at least condensed them? They condensed the controls. Okay. Uh, they did not streamline the interface, however. The I interface see. is largely left unchanged, which I think was kind of a disappointment for some people because it I, the last change made everything extremely monochromatic and difficult to differentiate um, via icon. And I think people were kind of hoping that it would have more of a, a flatter iOS 7 kind of style to it, and it doesn't. It looks almost exactly the same, and you have to kind of poke around and investigate to find uh, the fact that the share menu is is merged with, I believe it's the uh, create menu. And that's because everything in the create menu is basically meant to be shared anyway. Right. So it, it's all merged together. It it's, it's a nice presentation. It keeps everything together, and it does simplify that interface somewhat. Mm -hmm. And there's some changes with Maps, specifically now that Mavericks um, uh, uses Apple's Maps instead of Google Maps. Does that mean when I take photos of my daughter in the backyard, they're going to be pinpointed out in the Pacific Ocean? How does how, how is the Maps integration working for us? Well, you know, Maps is it's always pretty. Uh, I think the idea with Maps is 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 it accurate? And my experience with Maps has been better with, like, this new incarnation of, of Maps. Uh, I think I described somewhere in my article about how the same images or similar images that were taken in the same place kind of had different geotaggings attached to them, but they were in the neighborhood. They were within a, a block or two of the place where they were supposed to be. So um, I, I don't know really exactly, you know, how precise geotagging is supposed to be, but it was certainly acceptable. It wasn't in another state, for example, right. and it wasn't out in the Pacific Ocean somewhere. So, well, yeah, I apologize for my my uh, my snarky question. To, oh, no, not to at all. all. Who are listening. Um, we're, we've been talking about iPhoto 9.5 for Mavericks. Uh, any changes on the mobile front with uh, iPhoto for iOS? I always want to say iPhone for iOS, so I'm going to probably say that at least once this podcast. So let's get well, it out of the way now. It is iPhoto for iOS 7 mm -hmm. version 2. Okay. And so basically all of the um, updates for the iOS are version 2 of, of those programs, be it iMovie, iPhoto, or GarageBand. And basically iOS 7 style has kind of um, taken over or liberated, if you want to say, um, the whole interface of iPhoto for iOS. And it looks just great. I'm very impressed with it. Mm -hmm. it but uh, in terms of major, major changes, major features... There are some major new features. Well, tell me about them. Um, one of the things that you can now do is do print ordering directly from the app. And, and that is new. And it's a pretty good thing, too, because think about how you would have to go back to your computer at some point and do all of that ordering from there. Um, here you have lots of different, very specific choices on how to order things. Uh, it, it's really, it's really a, a great facility to have. Um, the thing that I was most impressed 
obsessed with, however, was the book creation. I mean, here, this is something that you could only do previously on Mac, on your Mac. And now you can actually create a photo book and all different kinds of photo books on your iOS device. Now, did you test that on an iPad or uh, an iPhone? I tested it on both. Oh, really? Because I, I, I would think that it seems like a natural fit for the iPad, just given the, the, the shape and size of the, the screen. But it, to me, creating a book on an iPhone seems like uh, uh, something out of a science fiction novel. How was the experience there? Um, I thought it was really good. It was surprisingly good. Um, it, it's actually almost the same process. Obviously, you're going to have a little bit more room on your full-sized iPad than you do on your iPhone, but actually the process of book creation and page creation is pretty much the same. You know, you're, you have two ways of doing it. You can do it ad hoc. You can, you know, say, oh, I want this picture. Let's go find it. I want that picture. Let's go find it. Or you can just say, I want to gather up all of these pictures into an album in which I will tag those pictures first in order to find them first and then have them flow into the book um, template the way you want it. You could do it either way and you can do it either way on both. And it's really just as easy on both. I'm one of those people who can't think ahead, you know, in for for one minute. So I'm like, okay, well, which picture is going to go next? And and it's it's really easy to create books and very satisfying. And I'm I'm just loving that. Great. Anything else on iOS that we should uh, let people know about? Well, there is um, there's a couple of things. Uh, iOS 7's performance for iPhoto is going to be vastly improved. Oh, um, and one of the things is that the editing functions are now um, GPU-based as opposed to CPU-based. And that doesn't mean much to most people, but basically what that means is that it's really faster. And that if people actually were editing with multiple modes in iPhoto, they're going to find that they don't have that peel back effect. And I was looking for it, actually, because I, I kind of thought it was cute. But it, it actually um, is almost gone now, because that peel back effect was a way to you know, salvage um, energy, basically, from, from iPhoto. And so it, it actually doesn't need that anymore. Um, a couple of things I guess I noted in my review, well, that I noted in the review that I am going to write or am in the process of writing right now is that we have some changes in the animated effects. A lot of people were kind of charmed by um, the little fan, the effects fan that that came out when you wanted to add special effects to your photos. Um, they kind of like the, the little brushes spread that, that came out when you wanted to to use different kinds of brushes for editing. And those things have been rather subdued in the new interface, which is very precise and very, very pretty. Um, it, I guess it, it lacks a little bit of the charm, perhaps, that kind of surprising, ah, this this is, you know, only Apple could do this. Mm -hmm. And so that that's kind of gone now. But in, in its stead, you also have new effects like um, the camera uh, filter and drama, which give you more choices in, in how to edit your photos. So um, without giving away the, the, the surprise reveal ending of your, of your iPhoto for iOS review, uh, if, the, um, if the adjective in the headline for the um, desktop version was uninspiring, what would the adjective be here? Um, really, um, let, let me think for a sec. Sure. Um, 
I would say that it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what it really does is is reflect iOS 7 as an entity in, in, on itself. It it has the iOS 7 characteristics to it. So I would say that it adopts the characteristics of iOS 7 really well. Okay. Um, we're, we'll certainly look forward to reading that uh, uh, review when it's posted on Macworld.com. Jackie, thank you for the... Uh for the iPhoto overview, I is there anyone left uh, to talk? Oh, there's a there's a guy in the back of the room raising his hand. It, it's it's Chris Breen. Oh, sorry, I was uh, yes, busy. I was playing with my iPad. I see. Yeah, uh, could that be the new version of GarageBand for iOS, Chris? The Indeed, it could. You it... were tickling the ivories on. Yes, it is. On my iPad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. Well, uh, <laughs> what's 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 the verdict? What's new? What's uh, what's changed with GarageBand? Okay, Take well let's it. let's start with the uh, OS X version. Okay. So this new version is going to make musicians largely very very happy, and podcasters very 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 sad. Well, it's hard not to take that personally. Uh, why don't you tell us why? What? Why? Why are podcast people going to be upset with uh, the new GarageBand? Because there are no podcasting facilities in GarageBand ten. Um, really, the way to look at GarageBand now is as Logic Light, and that's kind of the way we've looked at it in the past. It's the same team at Apple that develops it, and they take features that are in Logic and they bring them into GarageBand. And every once in a while, the features go back the other way. In this case, this really looks a lot like Logic. When you open the two side by side, you can see the interface elements are very similar. And you can see a lot of the controls have come over from Logic and a lot of the sounds have come come from Logic and um, some of the instruments have as well. What hasn't happened though is that Apple has said, you know that podcasting feature is so great in GarageBand, let's add that to Logic. Instead, what they've done is they've decided to leave that behind. Um, If you want to produce your podcasts in the current version of GarageBand, you can. I mean, you can still record voice tracks, but what you're losing is all the facility to use enhanced podcast. And that's the kind of podcast that we produce. I use GarageBand to produce these things. And it allows us to embed XML information in there very easily. You can embed chapter tags. put in um, information about the podcast. And you can't do that anymore because it simply doesn't exist. Now, one of the reasons is that people don't really use enhanced podcasts. We do. I like being able to skip from chapter to chapter to chapter. But if you look at the premier podcasts out there, I'm not saying that we're not one of them, but most of them do not. The other premier podcasts is how I would phrase that. Exactly. Nicely done. Thank you. Yes. they um, They don't do that. They present one long audio file with no chapter marks whatsoever because they're concerned that people will skip over ads and that sort of thing. Um, And they want you to listen to the thing from beginning to end. I think it's a service to be able to provide listeners with a way to move between segments, Um, but that isn't the general consensus. So given the number of people that were actually using the feature and the fact that they really wanted to focus this on music, Apple decided to jettison those podcasting features. It also got rid of a feature called Magic Garage Band. And this is where there was sort of this virtual band that you could play along with, and they only knew like six songs. And uh, once you exhausted that, you were kind of done. 
So it wasn't a feature that I used because I'm I'm a professional musician, so it was cute, and maybe amateurs would find it cute, but I think they would exhaust the repertoire of that band pretty quickly. So Apple never really built on the thing. They could have done more with it, they just didn't, and so that goes by the wayside as well. So if I if I still want to make my enhanced podcasts or, or play with my Magic uh, Garage Band, am I am I out of luck, or, or or will I be dragged kicking and screaming into the, this this uh, this glorious hellscape that you've described, or or can I keep the old version around? You can, and that's one of the things oh. that Apple has done with iWork and iLife is that if you don't want to use the new version, or you don't find the new version has the capabilities you require. They keep the previous version on your Mac. So in this case, they will uh, create a GarageBand folder in your applications folder. And inside there is the old version, which is 6.05. This one they've skipped from 6 right to 10, GarageBand 1.0. So yes, you can still do it. You're not out of luck. But going forward, don't expect Apple to be in the podcast production business. It's something... They did. It was great that they did it, but now they're really focusing on music. So while this offended podcaster um, uh, sits in the corner with his arms folded, p- pouring one out for the dear departed Magic Garage Band, why don't you tell us uh, why you fancy pants mus- musicians will uh, will like this new version so much? Okay. Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've brought so many features over from Logic Pro 10. So first of all, they've rethought the sound library. They haven't really done this since the beginning of GarageBand. So you had these nice, perfectly listenable loops and these very nice instruments, but they haven't changed those things in ages. What they've done is they've gone in and they've looted the Logic uh, sound library and the instrument library. Not haven't taken all of it, but they've taken a goodly chunk of these things. So now you've you've got these better produced loops. They sound um, fuller, uh, more natural in some cases. The instrument library is really quite good now, um, particularly if you're a keyboard player. They've added uh, some vintage electric pianos, so we're talking about the old Wurlitzers and the Fender Rhodes from way, way back. Uh, they have a, a, a vintage B3 organ, which is really nice. So if you've ever heard sort of a soul organ or a gospel organ on anything, it was the B3. They brought that over along with the draw bars and the switches and the Leslie effect and all the good stuff that went with it. Uh, vintage clavinet, so if you want to work on your Stevie Wonder licks, you can do that. And it also has some old-time synthesizer sounds, so if you like those fat Moog sounds or the Prophet 5 from Sequential or Oberheim and that stuff, the library on those instruments isn't huge, but there's some nice fat analog sounds for people who want to, want that sound, in it, and it's popular again today. Um, there is the new drummer track. This is something that basically they've sampled studio drummers. And instead of these being static loops, they're patterns that are intelligently put together. And so you use an XY pad um, in a way where you have this controller. If you drag it all the way to the bottom, it's quiet. And if you drag it all the way to the top, it's loud. If you drag it all the way to the left, it is a simple pattern and drag it all the way to the right and it's a complex pattern. So depending on where you put that controller, you can have medium loud complex or medium soft simple or all the variations in between. Some, something new they're doing this time is they have, they're giving away the thing for free except in a limited uh, set of sounds, drummers and um, instruments. If you pay the 
princely sum of five dollars, you get everything. So you get you know, a couple of thousand loops and many, many instruments, this, that, and the other. And you also get 15 drummers instead of the one you get for free. The one you get for free is Kyle. He's kind of like your workaday, throw your stuff in the back of an old Toyota pickup truck kind of drummer guy. You can have more interesting drummers by purchasing uh, the other 14 by uh, through in-app purchase. The other thing you do with that is that... Um, you can also choose the kind of pattern that they're going to play and the, and the style of drummer you want. So if you want a punk drummer, you can have that. These all work within the popular music medium. So if you're looking for jazz patterns or country, that's not going to happen. And you can also choose the kit they use. So you can have some very tight, light kits, or you can have some very heavy kits, depending on the style of music you're using. You can adjust how often they hit certain drums. So if you want them to use the toms a lot, there's a slider for that. If you want them to uh, throw hand claps in, why you'd want to, don't know, but you can. You can add swing and fills in that. So really what you end up with is instead of sort of a loop-based static sounding drum track, it sounds pretty close to a real drummer, except it doesn't drink and it, um, it keeps time. So I'm now going to get so Angry many messages. letters from drummers should um, be sent to Chris Breen. Exactly. Right. Other people on this podcast admire drummers for the fine work they do. I'm sure we do. Each and um, every one of us. So, so that's the desktop version that, that that we've just gone over. Right. That's this is all in the desktop version. Let's talk about the mobile version then, where um, um, I believe it's also now available for the low low price of free. Yes, the mobile version is very, very, very much like the previous mobile version. So uh, the interface has changed a little bit, but you're getting the same collection of instruments and loops. Um, you get a couple of other things. One thing is called interapp technology, which means that you can get a third-party um, effects collection or instrument, like another synthesizer, and you can channel it in through... GarageBand. So you're not limited to the synthesizers or instruments they have there. If you have a compatible app, such as um, the Waldorf Nave synthesizer, it will show up when you choose an instrument type. It shows up under an inter-app um, option. Select that, and then you can play that instrument and record it into GarageBand. Um, it supports iCloud, as does now the desktop version. So you can take a... Uh, a project that you're working on on your iPad or your iPhone, you can put it up into in, into iCloud. Then you can open it in GarageBand on your Mac and fiddle with it there. And then you can take that if you want to and take it into Logic Pro X. One thing you can't do, however, is save a Mac-based GarageBand project to iCloud and then open it on an iOS device. It doesn't work in that direction. You can open it on another Mac, but not on iOS. Uh, supports AirDrop, so if you're collaborating with other musicians, you can work on one device and then drop the project to them so they can take it home and work on it. Uh, the sampler instrument now allows you to bring in full songs. So if you want to destroy somebody else's work, as long as it's in your music library, you can do that. And that is the uh, iOS version. Oh, and if you have um, if you have an A7 chip in your device you can have up to 32 tracks which is a ton um, so that would be the iphone 5s or ipad air oh uh, that we're talking about. right and the retina mini when that comes and the up. retina mini which exists only only in theory uh, as we record this podcast but is coming soon listeners yeah. yeah to a store near you and otherwise if you have a 
non-A7, as long as your device is compatible with um, the application, you get double the tracks. So you can get up to 16 tracks now, which still is an, you know four times as many as the Beatles had for Sgt. Pepper. My goodness. Well, that's that's good knowledge there, Chris. I, I, I think we've um, discussed uh, iLife changes as much as any... Uh, any group of people possibly could. I'd like to thank you, Chris Breen, for for walking us through GarageBand. Thanks, Phil. I'd like to thank uh, Jackie for talking up uh, iPhoto. My pleasure. And Ren, if you're still with us, uh, thank you for your your iMovie guidance. And you, drummers, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all the the rhythms and, and hand claps you provide. And thank you, Macworld listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Macworld Podcast. And thank you to our sponsor, Smile Software. For more information... Go to www.smilesoftware.com slash mwpodcast. 